The pillar or value that we're looking at today is family. So this is our fourth value. We've looked at um, gospel, community, mission, and so today is family. In this series, we've been building on the foundation of the gospel. Excuse me. And really, um, that is the goal of Grace Life, is to build on the foundation of the gospel. Um, but through this series, we've, we've looked at how the gospel comes to us as news from outside of ourselves. And it tells us that we've been saved by Christ's finished work and not our ability to earn or work for God's love or favor. And we've seen how, as a group of believers, we have been placed and live in community with a culture that is being shaped by gospel doctrine. And as this good news continues to be proclaimed and believed, it shapes how we live together. This good news is not just how we get in or how we get saved, it's how we live our whole Christian life. And last week we saw that in this community where God's love motivates us to loving one another, we will also see a desire to have more people join our family, those who have not believed in Christ yet. So we live our lives doing the things that we love to do, the things we enjoy, and while we do that, we invite others in. We get to, as I put it last week, serve adoption papers to those who have been cut off and alienated from the family of God. So today we're going to unpack what it is that we mean when we uh, see this word family in our values. So on the screen, you will see our value for family, and I'll read that to you. This is uh, also found on the Grace Life Avon website. We believe that the family is the core of healthy church and society, that family is the language of the gospel, and that God sets the lonely in families, taken from Psalm 68, verse 6. And so this morning, we're just going to look at two thoughts, the church and the family. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news. We thank you that you have indeed sent your son to save us, and that he has saved us into a community um, of of other believers, like-minded believers, and that in that we are made family. You've taken the lonely and you've placed us in families. And Lord, we also recognize that being part of this family, one of the things that you've prepared for us beforehand is that we would call others to be part of this family as well. So give us grace for that. Give us um, opportunities for that. Lord, I just ask that you would um, reveal more of yourself this morning to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The church. So the gospel shapes the church, that is, believers in Christ's finished work, making them a family. This value, this pillar of family that we're looking at, is so interwoven into the rest of these things that we've been looking at that it's really impossible to talk about them without mentioning all of them as we go. So um, over the last three weeks, I'm sure you've noticed when we've talked about community, we referenced the gospel. And when we talked about gospel, we referenced family. And when we talked about mission, we talked about community and family. They're interwoven. And so even though these four values are each individual things that we can talk about, they are connected deeply. And, and that has been the purpose of this series, is to show you our values and how they're built into the DNA of this church, this local fellowship called Grace Life. But as we've been going, it, it, I mean, it's... Hard to miss the fact that these are so deeply connected. Um, They all have a part to play in each of the other values. So, 
that's why these all form the values of grace life. They're, they're so connected that they, they make up our values. And if you're, you're talking about these things, if you're looking at the gospel, if it's getting deep within you, if it's having its intended work, what is bound to happen is that these other things will be evident as fruit of the Spirit's work inside. So if you're feasting on the gospel, community is bound to take place. If you're feasting daily on the good news of Jesus Christ, you're going to want to invite others and call others to belief in that very same thing. When you've found a precious treasure, you don't hide it for yourself. You want others to know about it. You know, I, I see this often with Olive when she gets something new or when she, um, I don't know, some of you may have seen this morning, she had a little pom-pom that she got yesterday. We went to the Cornell University football game. She got a little pom-pom. I, and she's been showing it to people. Like it's some priceless treasure. Why? Because part of enjoying something, getting your full enjoyment of something, is to share it with others. I think C.S. Lewis had something to say about that um, in one of his book, Reflections on the Psalms, I believe it was. As you enjoy something, the fullest enjoyment of it is to share it with others. Today we're going to look at the church as family. So what is it that we mean by family in this sense? We are God's chosen people, his family. By grace through faith, we have become the children of God and have become brothers and sisters to each other. The church is not just like a family. We are a family. We care for one another as a family. Most of Christendom defines this thing that we often call, quote unquote, church by the things we do. We come to an event on Sundays. We spend a couple of hours in a building we call the church, having what we call church, and then going back into our lives. Now, I'm not trying to force you to stop saying those words. You can say uh, what you mean by that. Um, But maybe along the way, as we do this thing called church, we pick up some things that will help us throughout the week. I do think as we look at this, we need to maybe look at this a little differently. Not just that we are the church, but let's really get into what this means. We are the body of Christ, the family of God. Some of this definition that I'm sharing is from a teaching from a ministry called Soma Communities. Think of the natural definition of a family for a moment. Uh, They define it this way. A healthy family would be defined in three ways. Our parents birthed us or adopted us, so we belong to them. Second, we are related and share identities, so we belong to each other. And third, we do what families do together. Life lived together, defined by love. The same is true of the body of Christ. We are family. We are family first because the Father has made us his children through the life and work of Jesus, giving us new birth by his Spirit. And second, we have a new identity as children of God. Third, we live out lives of love, serving one another, because we are his children who are deeply loved. As God's family, because of his love in us, we care for, another, for one another's needs, as we're able to, both physically and spiritually. We disciple nurture and love one another we gather together for these sunday gatherings we're invested in one another's lives beyond this celebratory gathering 
Sometimes when people ask me about our Sunday gatherings, I refer to it as a celebration. It's the time when all of our um, groups and, and ministries and everything at this church gather together. We come together as the children of God, as the people that make up the body of Christ in this local fellowship. So this is kind of like our big party as a family that we have every Sunday. Now, unfortunately, because of our building, we do meet twice. We kind of have to break things up a little bit. Um, but Grace Life is a family of other families that get together throughout the week. <clears throat> so we live our lives invested in one another's lives beyond this celebratory gathering, perhaps through groups or just spending time together, just enjoying life together. So we're family, but how did we become family and what produces this new life within us? Again, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. God chose us to be his children, making us family by adopting us into his family. So we're going to read a handful of passages here showing us about our adoption. John 1, 11 through 13, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Paul says in Romans eight fourteen through 17, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with them. You'll notice through these passages, um, as I'm reading, um, it'll say sons throughout it, but that's referring to both sons and daughters. Um, just when you read that, know that. Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Ephesians 1.5, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. 1 John 3, 1 through 2, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So we see that this identity that we operate under then is of adopted children. God the Father chose and adopted us. God the Son redeemed and united us. And God the Spirit guaranteed and he sealed us. We're not just followers or even just disciples. We are children of God and brothers and sisters to each other. And you'll notice in the New Testament as, um, as, as it gets beyond the life and ministry of Jesus, the language shifts really from just followers and disciples to family terms. And that's an important thing for us to understand. Yes, certainly we are disciples and we make disciples and we are followers. But first, we are sons and daughters. We're also told what this family life looks like. Romans twelve ten through 13, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 
That's one of the way that this, the many ways that this looks like. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Galatians 6.10, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. There's just three passages of what it might look like for us to walk in our new family life. We serve one another, we love one another, we look for opportunities to bless one another. We contribute to each other's needs. I've watched, um, you know, Steve Whitaker, his calling hours and funeral were just this past um, Thursday and Friday. And I've watched as the body has loved him over these last few years as he's been physically frail. He was in decline these last few years. And I've watched the body love him, serve him, meet his needs. I know, Keith, you spent so much time over the last you know, few months ministering to him, whether it was a phone call or reaching out to him and dropping by. That's one of the ways this looks. We love one another and care for one another. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for caring for Steve in those ways. And for one another. With all of this said, I know that often people uh, in the church will feel disconnected and, and we struggle to connect. We struggle to find relationships with each other. My encouragement to you in that is just to remind yourself of the love of God. Don't, don't sit and beat yourself up because you're like, oh man, I really struggle to do this. I really struggle to connect. There must be something wrong with me. Uh, I just want to encourage you. Remind yourself of the love of God that brought you into his family. He chose you. There's nothing wrong with you. He chose you to be part of this. He wants you in this family. And so remind yourself of that. Remember his love. And as you remember his love, um, remember his love for others that have also been grafted into this family. God has drawn us together. And so find fresh mercy and grace to connect with your brothers and sisters. And where you feel weak and discouraged, he is strong. So rely on his strength. So as you reach out to your brothers and sisters, his grace will meet you there. And, and you'll find new grace to do that, supplying you with everything that you need. And this is one of the amazing things that the gospel does. It draws us in and gives us the strength we need to continue to do that, to continue to dig into each other's lives a little bit. Where we have been lonely and isolated and disconnected, we now find ourselves as part of a family. Psalm 68.6, I mentioned it as I read through our value. I'm going to read it from the World English Bible translation here. God sets the lonely in families. He brings out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious dwell in a sun-scorched land. As we went through the Psalms uh, some time ago, just the first 25 Psalms, we kept showing you that the Psalms have been fulfilled in Christ. He has brought us together, believers from all sorts of various backgrounds, and placed you into a family. This is what God does. You're not alone. The gospel gives you a sense of home and a sense of belonging. And we belong one to another. Romans 12.5 So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Because you have been adopted, this is what is true of you already. 
meaning you don't have to work toward this to earn this family identity. Um, you know, when, when a child is adopted and the paperwork is signed and everything is taken care of there, that child does not have to work to earn that family name. That family name is given. This is what's true of you now. It's the greater reality of the Christian. You have the life of Christ within you. And so you are free to live this out. As I said about mission, I'll say this about family as well. Find some things that you love to do and do them together. Some of you love kayaking and throughout the summer when it wasn't raining, you tried to get out there together and do some kayaking. Some of us enjoy photography and you know we, we had the chance a couple weekends ago, maybe, I don't know, time flies, um, and got together and took some pictures together. Some of you enjoy hiking and occasionally you will go on hikes together while I stay inside. Um, I've now claimed this tag. I am an avid endorsement. I like the idea of hiking. But do these things together. Be together. One of my favorite things, share meals together. Get together in each other's homes. Um, I think there's some sporting team in the region. Um, They throw around an egg-shaped ball. Um, Get together and watch the game together. Enjoy time together. Whatever you're doing, just be together and enjoy it. And if you want to be alone, spend some time alone. There's, There's no condemnation here. But I do encourage you to be together when you are able, whether it's in your homes, in groups, whatever. Just doing normal life things. So when we speak of our value or the pillar of family, we speak both of the natural family and this new place that we have in the family of God. So now we're going to talk about the family. The gospel shapes the nuclear family and places it into community, the church, the local fellowship of believers. So we've looked at the family of God. I want to focus here a bit on family in the natural sense. And when I say that, I include families with adopted children, stepchildren, whatever makes up your family, whatever is essential to what is your nuclear family in the natural sense. Scripture shows us a number of ways that we are to care for our families. The gospel shapes this in the heart of the believer. In Colossians 3, Paul is writing about the new self. He explains in verses 1 through 17 that the believer is hidden with Christ in God, and we now have put off all these other evil practices um, that were once the hallmarks of our lives. They once defined us, but they're no longer who we are. He shows that the believer in Christ is God's chosen, and that they are holy and loved. And will in this new self be compassionate, kind, humble, meek, and patient. And now in Colossians three eighteen through 21, Paul turns his attention to the natural uh, nuclear family. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. What this shows us is that the gospel shapes our new self, our new life in Christ, but it also shapes how the natural family lives as well. And really, when you think about it, this description 
of a family and, and what the gospel really does in our spiritual family as well is a countercultural thing to the world. It's, it's a testimony of something has happened. God has done something here because this is not how the, the world lives. Wives submitting to loving husbands, children obeying their parents, and fathers not provoking their children. These family relationships adorn the gospel and are a fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in the believer. Parents, I want to speak to you a bit this morning. I want to encourage you, whatever season of life you're in with your children, the home is the primary mission that God has called you to. We spoke last week about mission, and a number of people mentioned to me, you know, I I just feel like my mission right now is my family, and I don't have a lot of bandwidth for outside of that. And I said, absolutely. That is what God has called you to do. That is your mission at this moment in your life. Mothers, especially when the kids are very young, often feel very keenly a sense of being cut off from other parts of life and the things that they enjoy or desire to do. They're not able to get out and do as much So perhaps this is you and you have felt unable to connect at a level that you would love to connect with. The idea of community and mission that we've spoken of over the last couple of weeks kind of sounds foreign to you. You don't remember the day when you can uh, just reach out to somebody and do something at the drop of a hat. Know that the work of a mother is not small by any means. It's a huge ministry. And God is with you in it. Be encouraged. You are doing what God has for you to do. This season that you're in where God has you, uh, you are an amazing gift to your children. And because of that, you're also an amazing gift to this body here at Grace Life. So be encouraged. And for those days that you're just weary, for those days when... You're wondering why uh, you're not able to do as much as others and you feel down about it. I just want to encourage you and remind you that God's grace is sufficient. He's with you. When you feel the weight of the work you have, remember that in Christ you are holy and you are beloved. You're his and he loves you. You are chosen by God. And that applies to you fathers as well. We don't necessarily like to talk in terms, I almost bit the dust there. Um, We don't like to talk in terms of being beloved as guys so much. But guys, you're chosen as well. You're holy and beloved. The gospel shapes our homes. Just as the gospel works in the family of God to offer a sense of belonging to those who were once cut off, so too does it work in the natural family. Parents, as our children grow and live their lives making their choices, let us not forget the sense of belonging that the gospel gives us. Let our homes always be a place of welcome where we say you belong. Not because the things you do or have done, but because you're ours. We can point our children to the scriptures and warn when their choices aren't good for them, but we should also always remind them that they are welcome in our homes because they belong. In this, our children will be pointed to the unconditional love of Christ and the hope that we have in him. We will never love our children perfectly. And our children will never obey us perfectly. 
we can continually point them to the perfect Father, our perfect Father, who is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Consider for a moment the prodigal. Luke fifteen seventeen through 24, we pick up in the story. Um, he is coming to his senses, surrounded by a bunch of pigs and their filth. And uh, Luke writes this, speak, uh, Jesus speaking. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Couple things. Before the prodigal could get a word out, the father ran to him. He rehearsed his repentance. Now, that's not to say it wasn't genuine, but he, re- he rehearsed what he was going to say. It shows us in these verses what he had planned on saying. But before he could get a word out, the father saw him and bolted towards him. I mean, I, I think he could have won a marathon that morning or something. He ran to his son. And when the prodigal son started into his prepared apology, the father cuts him off. He only gets about half of it out. Before the father kind of like, yeah, 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 bring a robe, bring a ring, bring some shoes, and kill the fattened calf. He called for the table to be set. Let our homes be like that as well, where we are willing to welcome and remind our kids that they belong. This gospel shaped family displays to our children what the life of a gospel shaped church looks like. Wherever they go, they can find this sense of community when they find a a church that preaches Christ and they can find a place to belong, a place where the misfits and outcasts gather together to feast on the good news of Jesus Christ, beckoning to others, come to the table, come and dine. More broadly, the gospel-shaped family also displays this to an unbelieving world. It points people to God's unconditional love for them in Christ and the home that's always available to them in Christ's church. The gospel also shapes the life of the one who is single. Singleness is not to be looked down on. I think too often, especially in some segments of the church, um, not, not speaking of grace life, speaking of broader sense of the church, I think that uh, it often is looked down upon. Singleness, even if one desires to be married, is not a trial to be endured. It's a positive good. If you're single and you desire to be married, that's good. So find someone who believes in Christ and get to know that person better. See if you're compatible. See if your thinking lines up a little bit, that you're going to be able to be together with this person. But just know that marriage will not complete you. Marriage will not make you a whole person. Only Christ can do that. 
Jesus is the perfect example of this. He was single, and he was the most complete human who ever lived. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, if you are in a season of singleness, or if that is what God has called you to, a life of singleness, that the gospel gives you value. The gospel gives you purpose in this life. 1 Corinthians seven thirty-two through 35 I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul shows us that there are practical blessings to the life of singleness, namely being free from distraction, freedom to engage life in the body of Christ. And so while you're in that time of your life, enjoy it. Because once you get married, your time is no longer your own. I joke, but your time is now shared, a life shared, and that is good as well. Where God has placed us, in the, the, whether single or married, where God has placed us, those are good things. Enjoy what he has given. Enjoy the gift that he has given. To wrap this up, the gospel shapes both our natural family and the family that God places us in, his family. Whether we're single or married, whether we have kids or not, he does this to display the good news of Jesus. Singles, couples, orphans, widows, children, empty nesters, all of us have been placed in this family, the family of God here at Grace Life, and we are living our lives together. Just as the natural family is multi-generational and by nature a community, so too is the family of God, the older sharing their lives with the younger, the younger caring for the older. Families welcoming those in who are single. Singles using their time to care for those with needs. Parents struggling with their kids. Helped by others who have walked that path either before or may have never stepped onto that path yet, but have the time to help those with young kids. A multi-generational, loving, serving community, living on mission, doing the things that they enjoy because this is what the gospel does. The gospel draws us into this community that has a culture of grace and honesty and openness and transparency and love. It is the community of family, and it speaks to the unbelieving world of God's unconditional love as the aroma of Christ. And so the gospel is the invitation to the table. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you have invited us and welcomed us to the table to feast on the good news of your son, Jesus. And as we do, we look to our left and our right and we realize that we're joined not just by some strangers who are sitting next to us, but by brothers and sisters. These are the ones that Jesus came to bleed and to die for. The ones that he purchased as his own. You've made us family. You've made us brothers and sisters to each other. Help us then to walk in those works prepared before us beforehand, to love one another, to serve one another, to show honor to one another, to look for needs and try to meet them to the best of our abilities. Because you loved us first. We give you praise 
We give you honor. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.